Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast, everyone. It is a Monday. We have a lot of football to recap and discuss. Episode 119, Eric McLean. You have been everywhere on planet Earth, on globe this week. Mac, you are finally home. Um, you're going to get to relax a little bit tonight. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and you. I appreciate you. you taking the time to record our pods. But, <laughs> dude, you have had a week. It's uh, It's been a long one. And, you know, it's funny enough, this is actually our second take at this uh, this episode of the podcast. We tried to knock it out this morning. Uh, and then I get to the airport <laughs> And for whatever reason, as soon as I sit down, I take out my laptop, it's nice and quiet, everything's perfect, uh, they just start speaking over the loudspeakers like for two hours straight. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, this isn't going to work. So sorry, KG, I guess we'll try again. But finally home. But it, it was a fun week. It really was. Um, just the chaos, the craziness, um, the travel going from Michigan to Charlotte to Boston to Connecticut, back to Charlotte, now to, to Columbia, South Carolina. Um it was cool. It really is. I mean, this is kind of like the, this is the dream. This is why we do this to, to do all this crazy stuff. And I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but, uh, it, it was, it was a really, really fun week slash weekend. Mac, and it's about to get, I'm about to start, you know, getting a little bit of a taste of what you're doing because basketball season starts this coming week. Now, Let's go. We probably should clarify to some of our listeners. We are now a completely football podcast. Just Whoops. to remind people. Did we tell you guys that already? Yeah, we've, we've talked about it. So we're going to keep talking football. But if you have a basketball itch, I mean, you can follow both of us on Twitter. And I'll be calling the Clemson men's opener. That's on ACC Network Extra Tuesday night. And then I'll be calling, I'm very excited about this, the first ACC women's game of the season, an ACC versus ACC game. Now that we've gone up to 18 games, we have to find a place to put these games. So I'll be calling uh, Notre Dame at Syracuse playing on November 14th, a, co a conference game in the Carrier Dome. And I'm traveling up there with my guy, um, Sam Ravitch. So super excited. We've got and we've got a preview show for the South Carolina, um, South Carolina NC State women's game at 430 on ACC Network on Tuesday. So we got a Which lot. That's like a national championship, right? The I mean, these are two really crazy. good teams. I'm so excited. And of course, Mac is going to be on the huddle. Mac. Not to not to uh, gas you up too much here, okay? But I have been <laughs> traveling as well, like a crazy person this fall, but for fun, not for work. And this weekend, I got to chill and sit on the couch and watch. And I watched the huddle, and you guys were killing it, like seriously killing it. I enjoyed it so much; it was fun. It was really fun to see how short Eddie <laughs> Royal is. I love that guy. He was awesome on our podcast. People don't realize Jordan Cornette is like six foot ten, and so right. anyone next to him is going to look tiny. <laughs> it, it wasn't the um, best placement for my guy Eddie <laughs> to be the smallest guy on the show next to the largest human on the show, uh, and in between the two largest humans on the show. Yep. Uh, but Eddie held his own. He, he's a scrapper, and uh, he's a scrapper. he did a really. He actually did a really good job. This was a, a super fun weekend. Coach Mark Rick was down at at Georgia. Uh, getting getting celebrated down there and recognized by them for all the great things that he did. So we said, "Hey Eddie, we got to go to the 
the arm barn, not the bullpen, the arm barn. And we got to call him. <laughs> Shout our, out, Peter. <laughs> yeah, we got to get our next talent up. And, and Eddie Royal did such a good job. And, and we had done some stuff with him at Virginia Tech. Um, so it wasn't like his totally first time with us. But I don't think he was ready for that. Saturdays with the boys are a little different. And uh, he got a full taste of it. But it was, a, it was a really fun huddle show. And Eddie did a great job. He did a great job. And people don't realize how big EJ is, too. I mean, he's like solid 6'4". We, so we probably have the biggest like height and weight yeah. football show in America. I mean, I think we can take that title. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, you you'll line up and take anyone. I I, I think I could see Cornette playing we got a little. Our quarterback, we got our offensive in. line, tight end, and a receiver when Eddie comes in every now and again, and our coach. I mean, no, who coach. could beat us? Honestly, honestly, perfect. Who needs defense okay. either? We don't need. Speaking defense. of of who could beat us, that's what we were saying about Wake Forest. Let's go ahead and dive into this game, Eric Backlane. We'll recap our big three here, and then hit on the rest of the games. You and I both picked Wake, and look. I, I was feeling good about this pick. It's something about Wake Forest in North Carolina and how no lead is ever safe. And UNC outscores Wake 24-7 to in the fourth quarter. It was very similar to last year. Sam Hartman had some costly turnovers down the stretch, even though overall, when you look at the total offense he accounted for, it was pretty crazy. Sam Howell's playing fullback out there just running over dudes. <laughs> we both thought it would be high-scoring. We both thought it would be close. I guess I just thought Wake would play a little better down the stretch, Mac. What were your overall takeaways? Yeah, no, no question. I, I thought that um, Wake Force would be able to do this thing. I really did. I thought it was very strange that they were underdogs. But, hey, guess what? Vegas, Vegas. always knows. I How do they guys. do this? I really do. They're a bunch of losers. That's what they are. A bunch of nerds that look at numbers and stats and somehow find a way. I hate y'all. Uh, but it was a great game. It really was. I mean, an absolute track meet. This is probably close to what I expected. Maybe not necessarily in the high 50s uh, for another basketball game for Wake Forest here before basketball season. But um, th this is what I thought we would see with two high caliber quarterbacks who want to remind everybody who they are. Uh, and Sam Howe now back-to-back -back weeks on the national platform on NBC a week ago versus the Irish and now on ABC uh, in, in one of those primetime spots at noon where he just went nuts and, and is really reminding NFL execs, reminding uh, scouts, all these guys that, hey, I, I can lead your NFL franchise. I got this. Don't worry. And wait wait till I get better people around me. Mm. You know, you saw kind of a snapshot of it. Uh, but if I can get an offensive line who maybe could protect me once in a time, if I could have some guys other than Josh Downs make some plays in the passing game, I'm going to be really good. And uh, he showed that time and time again. But really the ending – of this game was very strange to me because there was a moment in the game where it was tied and Wake Forest went for it on fourth down instead of yes. kicking the field Take goal. Take the points. Everyone always. needs to go to the Lincoln Riley offseason school of taking the points. He always <laughs> takes the points. Dabo didn't take the points against Louisville, and I think that I thought that was going to cost them. Take the points, Eric McClain, please. You, you have to. You have to. And Ed Orgeron didn't take the points either, and they yep. probably beat Alabama if, if they do that. So I know college is different than NFL. NFL, 100% of the time, they're going to take points. College, you, you just have to do that because I think that changes the game. Yep. Jordan Cornette looked right at me when this was happening on fourth down and say, do you go for this? Do you have to score a touchdown? I said, no and no. You just need points. All you need is points. This is a game where points are, aren't at a premium, but there's a lot of them, and you got to be able to keep up. And, yeah. and I just thought that that was a ton of momentum. I, I thought that the play call, honestly, wasn't great either. 
Um, so, so I thought that that really, if you could go through anything that happened in the entire game, I think you single that out and say, that's it. That that's how North Carolina, North Carolina won this game. But great effort by Sam Hartman. I think that it's interesting to see him sneak into this Heisman list kind of at the end of the season, a, a guy who is really just playing out of his mind. But at the end of the day, Sam Howe running it, passing it and Ty Chandler figuring it out, uh, was just enough to get the dub. The running games were the difference, and Wake Forest completely went away from running the ball, just as Ellison was running it really well in the previous possession. The last two series, they basically didn't run the football, and there were some questionable calls, uh, play calls during that stretch. But I think turnovers too, Mac, you know, when you talk about who you can't really, you can't sacrifice series. You can't sacrifice possessions because both teams are going to score Wake turned the ball over twice, UNC just once. And I, that's kind of the difference. I think if Hartman throws one less pick, then they either go to overtime or definitely have a chance to win. And the running game was just, for UNC, I, I, I tweeted this out, and then someone told me that sloths are actually pretty mean. But if a sloth was taking handoffs from Sam Howell, I'm pretty sure Wake could not tackle them. That, that was the, the lack of run defense was just concerning for the defense. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. That's what they've done all year I long. Know, and, but and like really, you couldn't get a stop, man. <laughs> right. Not, not a single one, um, which was con- concerning. And, and that's what we talked about all preseason about these guys is I know what the offense is going to look like. I know what to expect. I know what they're going to be. And they've been that and some. They, they've been that and more some. And, and without you know, wide receiver two going in without Donovan Green in this year. Could you only Mm -hmm. imagine what this offense would look like if they had him as well? Uh, But the defense was our biggest concern. And and could they stop anybody? And really, since that Syracuse game, the answer has been no. And and it finally caught up to them. Uh, You run into an offense that can score just as well as you can. And ultimately, you, you lose the game. And you mentioned the turnovers. They had two picks. But also that turnover on downs. So, so yeah. really three turnovers to one. It, it it's hard to overcome that when it seems like we're scoring each time we touch the ball. It's so interesting looking ahead for Wake and North Carolina. This is what everyone always says about Wake: Can they finish strong? Because they all they seem to always start well. And what a brutal stretch for Wake. They just played North Carolina. They host NC State. Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask uh, some of our friends on the uh, ranking show, they, they have a very easy finish. Oh. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that. Not true. You guys it's are not crazy. not even close to true. What Y'all are they are talking crazy. about? <laughs> uh, they host NC State, then they have they go to Clemson, and now they have Boston College at the end, which is no longer a gimme because Dracovic is back and BC's playing really well. Which that was the only game that they were actually yeah. favored in. I guarantee that number's going to change with how Phil is going to continue to play. And by the time it gets there, I guarantee they're not going to be favored. Weirdly <laughs> enough, according to my ESPN app right now on Sunday evening, Wake is favored against NC State. Wake minus two and a half is the number, the early number. Oh, excuse me. I'm speaking of FPI. Gotcha, not the, gotcha, Not gotcha, the gotcha. Vegas people, FPI. Right, right, I am right. so sorry for those degenerates who uh, <laughs> spend a lot of money. But just absolutely brutal finish. And, of course, we'll talk about Wake and NC State. It's either going to make or break them, this finish for Wake. And then with North Carolina, Mac, don't look now, but the Heels are 5-4 and four with three games remaining. Could they get to eight wins? Now, they would definitely end up, I think, in a very solid bowl game, perhaps a top 25 finish if they can beat Pitt, Wofford, and NC State. And um, you have two of those left are on the road. The two tough ones are on the road. So it's a lot to ask, but you could definitely salvage your season if you're North Carolina. So both teams, 
interesting trajectories for both at this point. Listen, the the Tar Heel Nation fans are not happy with me. I have purchased my preseason hype train ticket. Yep. I then jumped off the train. I'm yep. gone, and I'm not getting back on. So sorry, oh, no. guys. I'm gone for the year. Uh, maybe in the preseason again, I can purchase another ticket and get back on with you guys. Uh, but good luck. We'll talk about it. I hope you can finish the season strong. But uh, Miami and now North Carolina are on my I don't like you very much right now list because you ruin everything for the whole conference. For what? For nothing? To go play in the cheese it Bowl? True. Are you kidding me? You can't count on this conference is this year, definitely. No one is doing what's best for the league. No. And I obviously... Yeah, you know what needs to happen? We need for Jim Phillips, the commissioner, to pick up the phone in these games, call the refs, and say, oh, what no. are you doing? We need Wake to win. That's what <laughs> the, the SEC the does. The Wild Wings button. That's what we got to do. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. You want to be a football conference, you got to make some sacrifices. It's so... The, the chaos is that. fun, though. The chaos some is fun. Some leagues it's, do it, but he wouldn't. It's the... Some <laughs> leagues do, right? But I think... What the SEC always says of anything can happen any week, like the the gauntlet, the SEC gauntlet. There are plenty of free win teams in the SEC right now. The only free win that I see in the ACC right now is Duke. And weirdly, Virginia Tech is kind of becoming a free win. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But um, let's talk about our next game here in our Big Three, Mac. NC State, Florida State. NC State goes down to Tallahassee. They handle business. They win 28-14. This game to me, Mac, it was just a very sleepy game. I, I don't think NC State really played that well. Florida State, of course, didn't have Jordan Travis, so that was a huge factor. What a crazy world we're living in, in the COVID world, and then we've got people having the flu that are out. Like, what what is going on? But NC State, I think they just did enough. You know, you went on the road in Tallahassee. You're never going to take that for granted. First time NC State has defeated Clemson and FSU in the same season since 2002. So I'm not trying to downplay it at all. I just thought it was kind of a, let's go through the motions, let's get the win, and we'll move on kind of game for NC State. Yeah, and and you know what's really interesting about this game and the information that we were given. Now, this could have been a miscommunication. This could have been a false information. This could have been someone hearing or saying something that wasn't, I don't know. Uh, But I was told, we were told, that there would be 25 players missing from this game for FSU. We were later told, oh, no, that's actually not true. There was 25 guys that throughout six days of practice, 25 guys missed at some point. There's only one person that's not available. So I, I really don't know just how Florida State has handled recent things in the past. I don't really know what to believe and to, you know who's there, who's not. But when I'm looking at this stat sheet and I'm looking at these numbers, the only name I don't see is Jordan Travis. Um, so I'm going with there was only one person missing and, and all these – you know, Florida State fans in my mention, well, if we had our whole team, it would have been a different game. Well, it looked like you had your whole team, but I get that your quarterback's important. It, anyway. It, Jordan uh, Travis is. I, I do think, <laughs> you know, that, and I get your point, Mac. Mackenzie Milton, he did pass for 233, but he completed 50% of his passes. They asked him to do a lot. Jordan Travis is their guy, so it may have been closer with him. I would give them that, but I'm not sure if Florida State wins the game. Yeah, I don't know. I think NC State's playing like a better defense right now. And uh, oh, we saw sure. what they did against Clemson a week ago. And I don't think so. I don't think it would have mattered much. Okay. But anyway, going to this game. Fair. I just had to get that off my chest. I had so many seminal mentions this week, and I didn't know why. Um, I thought that Tanner Engel played extremely well. Um, you know, we, we had spoken about how, you know, Drake Thomas needed to 
continue to step up and really ball out and, and had a very solid game. But Tanner was flying all over the field from the safety position, really making some big-time plays, 13 tackles, uh, just disruptive all night long. And, and once again, Devin Leary, I mean, just flying under the radar, having such a solid year, 314 yards, four touchdowns, was averaging nearly 10 yards of completion. Um, they're looking very smooth offensively and, and seeing yet again all four touchdowns to different people. I just love how he spreads the ball and how they utilize this offense to get a bunch of different guys involved. The one thing to keep an eye on, kind of moving forward, if they get you know to a championship, they pretty much are playing a playoff game to get into the ACC championship this weekend. Mm-hmm. The run game is going to have to be yes. figured out. This is now like four weeks in a row where they're sub 120 yards, and that's not going to cut it. So they're going to have to figure that out. They have two great backs. They have a very good offensive line. Something has to be done about that. I was going to ask what you've been seeing with this running game because it got off to a quick start early in the season. They're only averaging 136 yards per game on the ground for the year now. They have Zonovan Knight. They have Ricky Person Jr. They have some backs. What, ha, are they just not utilizing it as much? I mean, they did have 37 carries in the game, and they passed the ball 32 times. What What's the issue? Yeah, it just seems like a, a tackle for loss here, a miscommunication on the offensive line there, a running straight straight into you know like the teeth of the defense. Now, Florida State did have three sacks, and and against you know college play, those negative yards are impacted in, in the rush game as well. So it looks like they had right at about 20 negative yards. So that would have put them over, you know, a hundred if, if that didn't count or that didn't happen, but still they've got to get going. When you, when you run the ball 38 times, 37 times, you expect to be well over a hundred and those guys just not having great success right now. Well, it's a good sign for wake considering they could not stop a sloth <laughs> carrying the ball. Maybe this is the bounce back game for Well, NC true, State. but I, I do think that is a good sign for wake that you're not, you're not playing a team that is a powerhouse running the ball. Now, North Carolina, I wouldn't call them a powerhouse, but they did. They have had a solid run game all year, whether it's Howell or Chandler. So that's probably a good sign for Wake. But Devin Leary is also playing insanely well. I, I cannot wait. We will preview everything you need to know about State and Wake this weekend. It's, it's going to be a great game. How about these quarterback matchups that we have coming up? I mean, it, it really started with uh, you know, Sam squared here, Sam Hartman and Sam Howell in, in the uh, Carolina Bowl. Um, and it's just going to keep going. I mean, we, we've got Sam again versus Devin Leary. We've got potentially, um, you know, Ken, or not potentially, Kenny Pickett versus Sam Howell. And the weekend after that, potentially Kenny Pickett versus Brennan Armstrong. We have yet to kind of, you know, see his hopefully health and if he's playing. But, man, this coming down the stretch, it's going to be really fun uh, to see these teams play. Well, and speaking of a quarterback that's playing a little better, let's talk about Clemson. Let's talk about Clemson and Louisville and DJ Uyunglele. The Tigers escape again. I mean, this season <laughs> has just been insane. Every single FBS game that Clemson has played has been decided by 10 points or less, which is just unbelievable. They improved to 6-3, and 5-2 and two in league. They get the big stop late in the game. Mac, I know you were a part of the 2014 game in Clemson where Clemson had to get a big stop to beat Louisville. It seems these games with Clemson and Louisville, it either comes down to the last play or it's a blowout. There is no in-between, and uh, (laughs) Clemson continues its streak. I thought, look, Malik Cunningham played his heart out, and he was obviously injured. DJU was also injured. This was DJU's best game, Mac. 220 yards, two touchdowns, 18 of 30. 
this was a really good sign for the Tigers. It was the the only thing that I would be concerned about is his health and and you right. know being hurt, being Sprain banged up. PCL. Right, which was very strange though because it seemed like after the injury he started to throw the ball much better. It was very except weird. for the first drive, yeah. Right, it was very strange just to see like okay, what what the heck is going on? Well, what's happening here? But I agree with you. I think now three games in a row. We've seen him getting better, getting better, and getting better. I thought the ownership of the offense kind of – it just looked like – it looked like he wanted to be the guy. It looked like yeah. he wanted to be the man and to make plays and to step up and, you know, in the run game, calling his own number on third and two, picking it up, and then a couple of plays later, eight yards away, calling his own number again and kind of gimping into the uh, to the end zone there. So really impressed with, with his progression. Again, kind of taking that with a – you know, a grain of salt and understanding from this year, I still am baffled by the entire situation, right, right. but by him, you know, slowly but surely figuring it out, Bo Collins was a revelation. I think that young man needs to 1 million percent be on the field mm-hmm. more often and in the than slot. not in the slot. You he needs to start in, in the, the slot. slot. Right. And, and it's just, we, I asked Eddie Royal this on, on the show Saturday night. I said, how important is that, you know, familiarity and, and that confidence and that, okay, this is my guy kind of feeling. And, you know, Bo and DJ played for two, three years together in high school and then have gone through all these practices. I mean, there is that confidence there uh, with them. So expect to see more of that. Um, Justin Ross, another solid game. And then the defense. I mean, these guys have been elite all year long. Now they struggled for the first time. And and that kind of happens when you have such a special player as Malik Cunningham. We've told you guys every single game, that Louisville is involved in, the key for the other team to win is to contain him. Now, Clemson didn't necessarily do that, but it just goes to show you how good of a player he is. Uh, He gets open, he gets out in the open, um, and and just takes off. I mean, his speed, it's not a lazy take to say this. He looks just like Lamar Jackson when he's running in the open field. It is nuts to see the way this young man plays, and uh, it, it, it was really fun to watch. He's special. I mean, he is so quick laterally. And then once he gets past you, you, you're not catching him. You're just not. And he's tough as nails. I I think you could make the argument. Of course, it's all what ifs here. If if Malik Cunningham was healthy the whole game, what happens? But, you know, DJ, you also got hurt. And if you want to play the injury card, I mean, Clemson's had like 72 injuries. So Clemson had like a billion injuries yeah. that night too. I mean, Andrew last Booth last night as down. well. Uh-huh. Yeah, Andrew Booth, Shipley, Pace, DJ. I mean, it was it was crazy to see. That's the a part of it's game. a part of football, and especially you know if if you're getting after a quarterback to injure him in the game, I think the defense deserves credit for that. But credit to Malik for just coming back, and it, it would have been interesting on that goal line stand, Mac, if he was healthy. Now, I think the play calling was a tad off and with the fact that Louisville was out of timeouts was huge because they weren't able to to regroup there towards the end but another huge stop for the defense at at the goal line yeah you talk about that play calling it was interesting to kind of see coach Satterfield's thoughts on yeah. that after the game it was really it reminded me a ton of the LSU Clemson game in 2012 when Clemson has this huge fourth down stop LSU was known as a power team. They were going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball against us at that time. For the last three plays, they passed it. And yes. they incomplete. And they asked him after the game, they said, Coach Les Miles, what the heck are you doing? 
He said, we couldn't run. We couldn't run against them. And so vice versa, you look at, at kind of a similar thing there uh, with, with what Louisville did. He said, look, Clemson was covering the pass unbelievably well. We were just trying to get our quarterback in space and try to you know, really do something. And, and two guys for Clemson that you know, just were jumping off the screen defensively over and over and over. Trenton Simpson, who statistically had his best game, maybe as a Tiger, 10 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, was just showing up all game long. And then a guy that isn't necessarily, you know, gaudy with the stats in this particular game, Xavier Thomas has had an unbelievable year. He has had a life-changing year because I can almost guarantee he's going to be invited to the Senior Bowl now. He might get invited to the NFL Combine. This guy has turned it around and looks fantastic. And his presence on the field cannot be measured by the stat sheet. It can be measured with your eyes and your understanding of the game of football. He is all over the place making quarterbacks uncomfortable, running guys down, the effort has been lights out from X, and it's good to see that, especially a young man who was so affected by COVID a year ago, who just wasn't himself. He he couldn't work out. He was overweight, couldn't move, and completely transformed, looks like a superhero, and is playing at a very high level. Definitely. You got to be happy for a guy like that. I also thought Makuba, who we've talked about all year, made Freaky. some great plays. Yeah. I mean, his his speed... I know he plays a different position than Isaiah Simmons, but there were times where he's almost outside of the frame. If you're watching on TV, he's out of the frame and then he just shows up out of nowhere. It's just, (laughs) it is freaky. And, you know, Clemson, they, they find a way to escape. They have kind of a get right game next week. So with against UConn, if DJU is still nursing that knee, you play him maybe a little bit. And then I think you can play Pumachon and you're going to be fine. UConn is truly one of the worst teams in the entire country. (laughs) Louisville, I mean, it's just, it's true. And then you've got Wake. And Mac, I we're recording this before, of course, the college football playoff poll and even the AP poll. But it's so interesting to me how in the, in the playoff committee, NC State and Pitt are both ranked and the, their best wins are Clemson, but Clemson can't jump into the rankings. And I want to see what happens on Tuesday. <laughs> As a six and three team, look, I think Clemson is is being punished because of the standards they've set, and I get that. But there are plenty other six and three teams that are ranked. We they ranked a five and three Mississippi State. So I'm I'm very interested to see what it will take for Clemson to get back in there because next week after UConn they'll be seven and three. Well, you're not going to be really impressed after UConn. So do they need to be ranked now to even get in there? I would just love to see for the ACC and for college game day to have perhaps a ranked versus ranked matchup between Wake Forest and Clemson. But it's been, it's been such an odd year for the Tigers in terms of rankings. Any thoughts there, Mac? Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see. And and I think you're you're right. You know, when you look at you know, how they've played historically and, and the fact that there is just this standard and, and anybody you talk to, whether it's a, a a member of that committee, whether it's another TV personality, whether it's another coach or or player from across the country, the first thing they're going to say to you is, is if you're a Clemson fan or if you're wearing a Clemson, man, Clemson just, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. What's happening <laughs> to them? They're not playing very well. Um, and, and so instead of Man, this team's figuring it out. They're they're starting to put things together. They're doing better. It's almost like it, you you you're not watching the full story and watching these guys develop. And and as you just said, when you look at their losses to the number one team in the country, that honestly is a toss up. You come down, it comes down to a pick six that changed the entire game, uh, a loss to a ranked or a pit team and a, a loss NC State team, a ranked both NC on State the road. Team. So 
both on the road and, and all all those on the road, all those losses. And so it's interesting to see how they're going to handle those guys. Does Clemson eventually jump into the rankings? Probably. Is it going to be this week? It'll be interesting to see. But KG, before we jump to our speed round here, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at On3 from the founders of Rivals.com and, and 24-7 Sports. On3 aims to be the college destination for fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle that distinguishes college football from other major sports. On3 is going to combine three unique businesses into one company. They have national news covering the ever-evolving landscape that is college football, fan sites, these are what are up and running right now. It seems like more are being added each and every day, but they're going to provide the local presence that captures the passion and the voice of the fan through team-based coverages. And lastly, what I am so excited about is this database that is coming. It's going to be the ultimate interactive resource ranging from NFL profiles, draft information, high school information, and everything in between. That's right, Mac. And you can check out Matt Connolly, one of our good friends. He writes for ClemsonSports.com. They have the best Clemson coverage out there, the Tigers' Den. Um, you can chat with Matt and the other writers, and they just have excellent coverage. And we've been teasing out that some other ACC sites are coming. We have a new one. The Wolfpacker Come on. is now officially a member of the On3 family. If you go to thewolfpacker.com, it'll take you there. And they have a write-up on our Devin Leary uh, podcast as well. So make sure you check out the Wolfpacker and ClemsonSports.com and more to come with that, Eric McLean. Let's go. I'm excited about that. That Wolfpacker is going to be uh, just another great site to dive into, guys, and, and check it out. And KG and I will be jumping on those message boards. So we're excited to talk to you guys there. That's right. That's right. Okay, let's get to our speed round. Let's run through these other games that happened this weekend, Mac. You called this Virginia Tech-Boston College game, and it was the red, uh, their second red bandana game, I think, but their, their big red bandana game for the ACC season. Phil Dracovic is back. Mac, I know you were elated to see him back, and he didn't really have to do much because BC just dominated. They ran the ball. They controlled the time of possession, and they, they got a win. It was so fun to see Big Phil back, and and it was interesting because you know we're, we're doing these coaches calls, and and I was actually a clearly a late addition. You guys know this to the party, and so I missed some of these, but I still got to sp- speak with you know Coach Halfley, and and one of the first thing I asked him when we got on the call was, is is Phil coming back? And he strangely hesitated, and I didn't think anything of it at the time, and he was just like, "What do you mean?" And I and I said you know, next year, is he going pro or is he coming back? And then he just kind of paused. He was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe we're not sure, you know, we'll figure it out. And I didn't think anything of it. I, I just thought maybe he didn't understand what I was saying for some weird reason. Come to find out at 6.30, they come up to the TV booth and say, oh, you know, we, we've got a couple of late additions to the uh, to the availability here. And they were playing it off like somebody was hurt. And we're just like, oh, right. man, what, what happened? And they say uh, – at quarterback uh, number five, Phil Dracovic is going to be starting. And we're just like, what? <laughs> did you do Are like you a ca-? dance? I did backflips. I'm like jumping out of the booth, freaking out, going nuts. Uh, just because I love that guy. I love watching him play. And uh, I was going nuts. And they were they were just like, but we can't, we're not announcing it. We're not announcing it till you know, 6.45, 7 o'clock, whatever it was. So and sneaky. And I was just like, you sneaky mommy. Have you ever seen that video? <laughs> what are you talking takes- about? It's when the kid, uh, the kid's mom, like takes his Halloween candy, and he goes, "You oh. sneaky mommy!" It's really funny. Anyway, uh, we're just all about the trends <laughs> on this podcast. I was super excited. I was jacked up, and he he played really well. I mean, 
first game back, over 50%, 100 yards, threw some really impressive plays, threw a couple of silly ones. Uh, but you you expect that, you know, your first game and knocking off some rust. The one thing that's going to be interesting to follow with him that I, I only noticed that he threw maybe one, maybe two passes with some oomph on it, with some heat. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be interesting to see. Is that wrist slash hand bother him a little bit, or you know, was it just cold and he's trying not to you know break people's fingers out there? Sure. So it's going to be something to watch, something to keep your eyes on. Uh, the run game was fantastic. Having Phil back in that run game was fantastic. Um, and, and BC going to be a bit different team coming down the stretch here. The the sorrows, the woes, the lack of identity, the crisis that Virginia Tech is going through still happening. I mean, lucky to get a field goal. They, they were getting absolutely blanked. And, uh, you know, Boston College defense did a really good job shutting those guys down. So the future is going to be very interesting for Virginia Tech and some decisions that those guys are going to be making uh, here in, in probably November, December. No doubt. I think if you miss a bowl game, it kind of makes your decision easier if you're Virginia Tech. But I think in general, with just how it seems that Fuente has lost this locker room. And when you look at the kind of puzzling quarterback decisions, I don't know the full story with Hendon Hooker, but to let him walk and go with Burmeister, it's just, it's it's very, very interesting. Can we give Hendon some love right now? That kid is balling. Yeah, and that's my point. And it is so fun to watch. He's going <laughs> that's my point. crazy. <laughs> if, Mac, if Virginia Tech loses to Duke this weekend, do they just do it then or do they wait? KG, I, I think it's something that'll be very interesting. You know, do you want to handle that during the season? Do you want to get through the season? Do you want to get through recruiting, which seems a little sneaky, seems a little backhanded, but uh, you know, you, you have to ultimately be in the best interest of Virginia Tech. Uh, certainly something to follow as as we get closer and those decisions are starting to be made. Really a, a bunch of situations throughout the country. I look at Florida. I look at some of these other schools and what are they going to do moving forward that, you know, just some tough decisions for athletic departments coming up. No doubt. It's a very interesting time, Mac. We know that. Okay, two more games. Let's hit on these quickly, Mac. Pittsburgh, look, Pittsburgh started a little slowly. I was looking over there at that score thinking, what is going on? But they figured it out. They beat Duke 54-29. to They have that bounce back game. They improved to 7-2. and with games against North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse remaining. But that was a little interesting to start, Mac. Yeah, Pitt was, uh, they were sleepwalking a little bit, which was interesting to me because coming off of a loss, you you thought you would see a more inspired football team from the jump. Um, and, and to be quite frank, they, they were reminding me of, you know, the Pittsburgh teams of old, the Pittsburgh teams that couldn't score touchdowns, that couldn't, you know, get the ball into the end zone that were having to settle for field goals or silly things here and there. They had three field goals in the second quarter, and we have not seen them do that. We have not seen them not get into the end zone. And so I'm kind of like, uh-oh, did Miami break these guys? Are they going back to, you know, the previous 10 years we saw Kenny Pickett play here? And uh, luckily enough, he figured it out. They got it going. Uh, finished with 416 three touchdowns, ran the ball extremely well, four total touchdowns. He had one on the ground. And really, I think Kenny has continued to make the case for quarterback one in the entire draft, not the conference, the entire country. Nobody else in any league is playing as consistent as Kenny Pickett. No one is playing as well as Kenny Pickett. No one is out there 
and has an ownership. When I watch him play, if you just go through every single play and watch him, it's so methodical. It's so just like he knows what to, it's like a coach. It's like if a He's coach a could play, it would look like Kenny Pickett. He's a pro playing college. And so I hope that teams can understand that and evaluate it. And that the fact that there's no negative, that there is no weakness to his game of where he is at this point. And can you imagine on the next level what that can look like? And, and the fact that this kid can, you know, lead your NFL franchise. And so I, I think that this this postseason uh, pre-draft process is going to be very interesting, not only in the ACC, but the entire country. I know there was so much made of the uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis showdown, and man, there's 100 million scouts there, and everybody wants to see. Uh, I think he certainly is ahead of Malik Willis now when you saw how that game went for him against a real opponent, not not G5 talent uh, or lower. Um and Kenny Pickett just time and time again delivers. So I'm excited for that young man, excited for his future, and and some really good opportunities and games coming up to continue to remind people of that. I assume he's going to – I know he'll be invited. Do you think he'll partake in the Senior Bowl? Yeah, no question. Okay, uh, that, I'm excited such a for that coverage and thing. to see what happens there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's been announced. I'm just – I mean, this yeah, kid – who, who else would you take right. instead of him? Uh, and, and they tweet about Kenny a lot, and, and so it's, I assume that that invite will be there. They haven't announced that yet, but that's such a – it's such a game-changing thing because of the exposure that you get uh, to NFL talent, NFL playbooks, NFL coaches, um, and then just honestly it, it's free scouting because that entire coaching staff for two teams – is they're coaching you up. And so you can leave really big impressions and I think make yourself a lot of money. We saw with our guy EJ Manuel, Eddie Royal, two guys that pretty much played themselves in that game into a first and second round selection. So I think Kenny for sure goes to that and continues to make himself a bunch of money. And teams can get to know him. Because just the little bit that we've gotten to know him, I know you know him a little better than me, Mac. He just, he screams NFL quarterback to me. With the way that he handles himself and he already, I mean, I know he is like 30 years old, but he already acts like it. Okay. (laughs) Our final game here, Mac, let's discuss this one. Miami keeps their coastal hopes and dreams alive with a 33 to 31 over Georgia Tech. And overall, I thought the offense looked good. Tyler Van Dimes was, was throwing dimes. Miami found arguably the three most absurd ways to fumble the football in one game. I mean, I, I really think I had, I took Miami to cover, to be honest, and I think if Miami has one or two less turnovers, they do. They just kind of kept Georgia Tech in the game and then also some of the special teams blunders that they had in terms of coverage. But overall, still impressed and encouraged by what Miami's doing. No, I don't think there's any question. And TVD is just playing out of his mind. I mean, this kid is lights out. The way that he prepares, the the physical tools that he has, the future is so bright for Miami. And, and you, there's always preseason hype about these guys, but there is going to be another level of it this coming off season with TVD, with Jalen Knighton, with uh, th- these talented young wide receivers that they have coming back, starting with Keyshawn Smith. They're fun to watch, and they have an unbelievable small uh, or unbelievably talented nucleus of players on the offensive side of the ball that you're like, man, these guys, if they can figure it out, who knows what they could do? They could run any kind of table. And so really impressive to see. I think the the emergence of Charleston Rambo has been really cool to see. Oh, yeah. I, I think that he is playing himself straight onto the first team, all ACC team. 
Uh, going to be really interesting if he can keep playing like the way he is. And then Georgia Tech, it's just so many athletes, so many great players, so many great singular plays, and we just can't put it all together. They're so, so close. Um, this team's going to be fun to watch. I think you should be encouraged if you're a Georgia Tech fan, but you know, for whatever reason, it's not being reflected in the win and loss column, and they're, they're right there. They're almost there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see the growth of Georgia Tech moving forward. Mac, we're going to have to do a little, first of all, we have a big guest coming up on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. And we're going to have to do a little previewing on Wednesday because we have a Thursday night game. I Look, I'm excited for this game. I don't love this that the, this game is Thursday when you have a short week for both these teams to prepare, but oh well, all the eyes of the nation will be on this game. Thursday night, 7.30, North Carolina at Pittsburgh. You know what's interesting about that? That this is actually another really good like NFL measuring stick. This happens in the league. How do these you guys do on play, a short week? Yeah. Yeah, they play these short weeks and short turnarounds. And so for two guys, Sam Howe, Kenny Pickett, who want to be QB one in this draft, this can be a really good kind of snapshot of them of okay, you had a big game. How can you put it away and get ready quickly? on a very short week. So it's going to be really interesting. And I'm excited for both of these guys too. For Sam Howell, third week in a row. For Kenny, he's kind of you know been there and, and at least acknowledged a little bit. Now can take another step to have the nation's attention on mm -hmm. Thursday night because when you're the only show in town, people are watching. I don't know what the NFL game is Thursday night, but I'm going to be watching North Carolina. Pitt. Nobody cares about I'll that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Oh, guys, well, that's it for this episode. Another fun weekend of ACC football. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what to expect, but we're getting closer to Charlotte. We are almost there, and we'll have two teams, a lot of great games this weekend that will continue to you know, really just make that championship game even clearer, and then we'll start talking about postseason, bowl season, and where these teams can end up. We have to give a little love, a little shout-out here to our producer, Richmond Weaver. Guys, go check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He does such a great job there and actually has a fun project coming out very soon. So you guys won't want to miss that. But thank you again for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.